Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports and you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you three to five this evening. This is Football Saturday. Remember, football and off the ball brought to you by Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. You can listen on News Talk. Watch us on the digital and social channels for Periscope and Twitter at Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. You can text us on five three one zero six. Delighted to be joined on the line by the former Republic of Ireland defender Stephen Ward, and in studio by the broadcaster and journalist, no relation, Johnny Ward, and the sports writer with the forty two, Gavin Coon between now and five. Stephen, good afternoon. Great to have you on Football Saturday. Good afternoon, lads. How's things? Yeah, great to see you, Stephen, uh, for anybody watching. And um, I suppose we'll probably start with Man City Wolves. Uh, it was just as city as it gets, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a, t- a tough day for Wolves. Um, <laughs> them games are always tough, but I think going 1-0 down after, was it 55 seconds, I think? Yeah. Uh, listen, it doesn't help. It's it's a tough assignment at the best of times. So to go 1-0 down so early, it, it looked like Wolves, you know, obviously chased the game a little bit, but Man City didn't really have to come out of second or third gear to win the game. And it's just where they're at at the minute. They just seem to be on a different level to everyone. And I think Wolves gave a good show with the 10 men early in the second half. But once Foden got the third goal, I think it was, you know, game over and writing on the wall. Grealish, uh, Erling Haaland and Foden with the goals. And Nathan Collins sent off a direct red for a high challenge on uh, Jack Grealish, Stephen. Probably can have no complaints. No, he can't and he'd be disappointed. But, you know, I was just watching the game and, and thinking about being in situations like that myself. And when you play teams like Man City, they do force you into making silly errors and, and stupid mistakes because you just feel so you know, under pressure all the time. You're, you're trying to get a foothold in the game. And I think that's all it was. It was a little rush of blood to the head from Nathan, you know, wanted to try win the ball, you know, maybe make a strong tackle of intent and, and he just completely mistimed it. And, uh, you know, with the sort of laws of the game now, he, he can have no complaints. But, you know, he's had a great start. I've been out to Wolves a few times and watched him and, and he's been outstanding. So it'll be a big disappointment for him and, and a big loss to Wolves now if he, he's suspended for a couple of games. He looked distraught, lads, didn't he? Yeah. Just watching it back. Um, Shades of Macedonia, I think. Um, the, the only thing... It was kind of junk time in the game. What they, you know, Wolves have three goals this season. They were never coming back at two 0 down. They probably never come back when the goal score went in so early. And I guess JD, that's a it's a learning curve for Nathan Collins in what's been a real, a really exciting ephemeral career. There was a moment early on where he danced around two or three City players outside his own box, and that's the bit I remember, not the rash tackle. I don't know what you think of. Yeah, it was absolutely shocker, and he did look so. Sorry, just have to just um, just check the mic there, Gavin. Just one sec. So. Um uh, Stephen, uh, just it was one of these things with Nathan that he just looked distraught afterwards. But like he's not a dirty player; it's just one of those things. He just rash tackle got sent off. Yeah, not at all. He's he's a he's a great lad, and and he's he's a bit like that. He wears his heart on his sleeve, and it will it will have hurt him. You could tell. You know, I think it took him a long time to walk off the pitch. You could tell by his his body language; he was very disappointed and very upset. But you know, I think he's had he's had an unbelievable rise over the last few years, and. Uh, you know, when you get little setbacks like this, he'll come back stronger and learn from it. But um, yeah, it was a tough, tough game for him and, and the whole of the Wolves team, to be honest with you. Erlen Haaland is just, I just, there's no words, Stephen. It's just unbelievable, this oh, guy. I know, it's, uh, it's actually hard to put into words how, how good he's been since he's come in. And, you know, what I like watching about him and what I, I like is his mannerisms and his temperament, you know, never seems to get frustrated. You know, you play, I've played with many strikers who, if they don't touch the ball, within a game, they end up coming deep. They, 
you know, go into areas where they can affect the game just to feel like they're involved. But it just seems like he's, he's not even bothered. I think there was a lot of media coverage about, you know, how little he's been touching the ball in games. But I think, like he said himself in his interview in the week, he'd, he'd prefer to have five touches and score a couple of goals than have 25 touches and not score. So he's a real centre forward. He's just taken Man City to another level. And, you know, I think with the supply line he has, it just looks like there's no stopping him this season, especially in the league. It'll be interesting to see if it, if it changes their fortunes in the Champions League. But I think when it comes to the league, they at the minute, they just look uh, unstoppable to me. You look at Collins for the first goal where he's uh, desperately trying to, you know, keep his arms around Haaland and it, it doesn't matter. And then for the second goal, he wasn't actually running at Haaland, but... He's just so athletic, JD. That even the like the second goal was quite it was quite direct, and there was nothing particularly flashy about it. It was a kind of a reasonably good strike, and he's bad foot. But he's just he's the type of player that like you could get a nine out of ten performance against him, marking him, and he could score two goals. It's just it's 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 actually so exciting to see this. It's appointment viewing, I find. Mm, it is. It, even when the game is like junk time, and it was junk time after the sending off, it was junk time two 0 What's Haaland going to do? Deeply instrumental in the second goal. And I think uh, what's really important in his development for City is that Kevin De Bruyne is back to his best because it just took him a little bit of time last season post-injury. Gavin? Hallen is absolutely frightening, isn't he? I mean, it's almost... It, it, everything is so efficient about him. Like, you know, you go, and I think this is the legacy of kind of Messi and Ronaldo. Like, everything was paired back. Everything was efficient just to score goals. Whereas, like, the great players of a previous era... Maradona, especially Ronaldinho, actually, there was something. There was kind of a style for style's sake, whereas Haaland just looks like a machine built to score goals. Like everything is so efficient about his movement, it's been spectacular in the sense that so many of the goals have been unspectacular. Like this, so many of the goals have been scored inside the six-yard box. Which that was his first sure. goal outside of the box. He took three touches. It was oh yeah, it was his first goal outside the box. Was it in over a year? I think that's that. Okay, I could because he obviously has that in his locker. There's the amazing strike against. PSG in the Champions League that made that great. I just remembered for the sound it made as it hit the back of the net. Uh, I think that might have been just before uh, things shut down for the pandemic. But it, it's just it's just that efficiency. It, it takes me back to the first goal that he scored in the Premier League this season. Was it, I think it was against West Ham away. And there, or maybe it was the second goal. And the ball's put in behind. And he, he, he just does everything so efficiently. He arcs his run and opens his body up as he's running. Uh, for a first time finish with his left foot into the far corner from a De Bruyne pass yeah. yeah and like usually you'd see players would need to, players would take one touch there and then open their body and score whereas Haaland can can do all this while he's moving and just minimise the number of touches he needs he's, uh, he's absolutely frightening and he looks he looks totally unplayable would you like to mark him Stephen? <laughs> No, not at all. No, no. <laughs> just to go back on a few of the points, I completely agree with what the lads are saying there. But you just feel like he's built for the Premier League. You know, a lot of the players that come from, you know, European leagues or they come from South America, it, it takes them a while to adapt. And he just looks, he has that frame, that, you, you know, size, strength, pace. He just looks like he was born to play in the Premier League. And, and I think that's the reason he's just fit in so well. And yeah, he's efficient. He's he's a goal scorer. He just wants to score goals, and you know, I, I like the way he is with his teammates. There doesn't seem to be any ego at all. I think. No, you know, I've, I've I've watched. I actually watched them live. Luckily enough, I've gone oh, to right. see him live against yeah, two. Uh, Stephen, I went. Um, I went to. I took my son down to the Aston Villa game when they played Aston Villa. Yeah, one um, draw. Yeah. yeah, and he scored, but he, he could have scored four in the game. But like that, he just you know, he just looks like he puts fear into defenders every time he's around that box or you know he's holding players off it's the, the physical side of the Premier League just doesn't affect them one bit and 
Um, it, it was actually nice to watch him. And actually, when you're there, you, you're looking, we were looking in the warm-up and you just think, like, he's absolutely massive. He's huge. He's a bit like Ronaldo-esque in that way. You know, you probably don't realise how big Ronaldo is till you see him in the flesh. And he's, you, you know, a, a similar size. And um, yeah, listen, it's, it's a scary thought of how good he is and, and how good Man City were before him. Uh, and they're just proving it again with him. What age is your son? He's 11. So it's 11. just like, son, just watch what Erling does for 90 minutes and do that. <laughs> I think it was more like, Dad, can you get me tickets to watch Haaland? I, was like, no. <laughs> I, was okay. I, I wasn't trying to give him any less. He doesn't listen to me anyway. You know what? You know, you know, you'd, you'd swear I'd never kicked the ball in my life when I tried to give him advice. So uh, ah, brilliant. <laughs> there's no point in me saying that to him at the best of times. Do, do you know the way, you, I, like if you do look at players and even the first goal was very simple, JD, it was just like De, De Bruyne picks up the ball in a bit Falling of space. Folding back heel. Folding back the, heel. That's the thing. But it's the space is made and De Bruyne has a simple sort of, well, he, again, sorry, he makes it look simple. Um, the thing about Haaland though is his athleticism is so ridiculous that, I, I mean... It, you can't really teach anything about him because he just has pace, extreme strength, an absolute nightmare to mark because if you if you try to push up and leave any space in behind, he doesn't need to do much. He's just going to outpace you. Um, and he's very physical as well. And he's, dare I say it, he's, he's, he's only, he's, if, he were to, if he were a horse, he's probably at the start of his three-year-old campaign as a, yeah, as a yeah, flat 22 horse. 22 years of age. He's just getting going. He's a beautiful monster. Beautiful. Very, very, very good way of putting how he yeah. is. <laughs> you know, it, like he's like one of these sixth class kids playing against three, third class uh, in the schoolyard. He looks like he could be an extra in Vikings or something like yeah, that. You know, he just looks like this Nordic monster that, like, um, he, he's magnetic, but he can also play football. And it turns out he can actually score outside the box with his right foot as well. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, and were you looking at his movement as well when you're watching him live there, Stephen? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's one thing. He's he's never stops moving, and I think you can see from some of his goals, as simple as they look, you know, if you actually strip it back a bit and, and look at where he starts, he he moves once, he, he double, he does double moves in the box, and great strikers know where the ball's going to land, and I think that's the most important thing. He's, he seems to be in the right place, at the right time. But you know, going back to I think I think it was his goal against Crystal Palace when he was played. I think Gundogan played him through the middle, and he just showed that strength to hold off their centre-half and, and slide it in the corner. And you don't see many strikers nowadays with the ability to do, you know, have that strength and have that composure. And yeah, it's a, it's a scary thought. And uh, I know um, it was it was, it was was a joy to watch him. And yeah, he's only going to, he looks like he's only going to get better and better with the, the players that are around him. As, a, as someone who may have written a piece to the effect that, oh, before the season, oh, I wonder how will, how Man City will adapt to Haaland. Will there be a chance for anyone else? Um I'm feeling a little bit stupid now. I have to say. That's the yeah. thing you just don't say. I don't. I don't, yeah. I don't think you. I don't think you're the only one that wrote something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe it was just a coping mechanism for everyone else, just to uh, to fill us into this. What I would say is, I don't think City played very well today. Like there were, even with ten men at the start of the second half, Wolves passed through them a lot easier than you usually see teams do it. So I'm wondering, you know, obviously he's he's a striker, so they're they're de- they've won less midfielder in there so I'm wondering will they sacrifice a little bit of control in games and Guardiola seemed a little bit agitated after games after some games this season saying we need to make more passes uh, rather than you know put uh, put the ball straight through for Haaland which I suppose might leave them vulnerable to counter-attacks but the trade-off is you get Haaland and you, you base you don't need to play as well to score and to win games like you can just be just be totally clinical like I mean City scored three times today they didn't really have too many other really uh, clear goal scoring chances but um they don't need them. 
Yeah, you're listening to Stephen Ward, uh, Gavin Cooney and Johnny Ward here on Football Saturday on News Talk on Off the Ball. Um, Grealish needed that, didn't he, Stephen, in a way, to get that goal to give him, give him a boost of confidence? Uh, yeah, he did. He did. It's been, listen, it, it's obviously been tough for him in terms of the price tag that he went for and, and he was a star man at Aston Villa. Everything went through him. And it, and it must be daunting to go into a dressing room like that, no matter who you are or how good of a player, it's, it's going to take time. But, you know, for me, I've always looked at it in terms of my previous Manchester City signings. And, and I think, you know, you look at Raheem Sterling, Riyad Mahrez, they didn't hit the ground running in the in the way you would have thought. If you look back from their first seasons, it was it was up and down. They were, you know, Pep's obviously a demanding manager. He must take a while to get used to how he wants to play because you've seen today when they had 10 men and he was... Don't know if you've seen it. He was going mad on the sideline because they were giving the ball away. And he thought he spoke a lot before the game in an interview about the distances and, and where players need to be so they can be close together. And I think that's something that players take time to adapt to. And, and obviously, he's not going to be able to do what he's done at Phillip. You know, they're a passing team and he's not going to pick it up and, and, and run at fullbacks like he used to. So it's it's been tough for him. And, you know, what I liked about his performance today was you know, once he got that goal, it looked like his shoulders went back and he got that confidence and, and he start, you know, doing the, the little things that he'd done at Philly. He sort of took the game by the scruff of the neck a little bit and, and maybe wasn't doing exactly, you know, what he'd done before. And sometimes when I've watched him, I feel like he does things a little bit too simple because he doesn't want to give the ball away. He doesn't want to, you know, maybe upset the manager, maybe upset the apple cart a little bit. So, you know, his confidence will come from goals, assists, but he seems a very confident, confident player anyway. Um, and listen, I think he'll only get better. And I think the sale of Raheem Sterling will help him. It shows the confidence, I think, and you know the backing that Guardiola is going to give him because he's, you know without Sterling there, he, you presume he will get a lot more game time and a lot more starts this season as well. Uh, we're watching Newcastle Bournemouth, by the way, on the screen, folks. Goalless in the only game at three o'clock uh, this Saturday in the Premier League. Uh, in the Championship, Brian Manning scored for Swansea in their three 0 win over Hull. Uh, goals going in elsewhere. Burnley, your old club, Stephen won. Bristol City, nil. Huddersfield won. Cardiff, nil. Millwall won. Blackpool, nil. Norwich, nil. West Brom, won. So Ryan Manning scoring. Not in the squad. No, and... Um, For these uh, Nations League games with uh, yeah, Scotland and Armenia. I think Gavin and I are maybe a bit uh, reluctant to admit we're both back from little breaks, little holidays. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of... Uh, you know, you try to zone out when you're on, on holiday or whatever. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I still ended up I think I was working every day to some extent I do like I don't really work much but I, I tend to work at very inopportune times you do work a lot Johnny I actually don't like but I end up working an hour here or there which is very annoying your girlfriend is like you know you're looking at the AG&C in front of you like and the beautiful noise that it makes but you're watching Shamrock Rovers in your garden on your phone and she thinks that's abnormal but I had to point out well you can turn yourself off but at the same time you want to see an Irish team do well in Europe and I was assured by Dan McDonald who obviously won't mind me telling this that uh, he he was doing the same on his own holiday so there are some events but at the same time it's hard to switch off so the Ireland stuff developed and all that but Ryan Manning today JD um, it was a real Ryan Manning goal it was across into the box a bit like Ireland's goal McAteer against Holland all those years ago it was like a, a left foot across in and he stole in at the back post but just about stayed on side was involved in the move was also involved in the move for the second goal and uh 
I don't know what, what Gavin thinks. I, I, I thought Kenny's comments during the week in relation to James McLean were interesting in terms of his quest for record caps because he was he seemed to emphasise that, well, there's no guarantee here. And I might be reading between the lines, but I think Robbie Brady might be emerging as our main pick left wing back at the moment. Stevens is obviously, um, you know, he's trying to get back into Sheffield United and he's had his issues or whatever. So Manning has done quite well when he's played. Uh, I thought he did well when he played in the, in the Lithuania game. He's a real baller as well. James McLean is getting older um, I don't know Gavin is, is is Brady number one now maybe it'll be very interesting to see the selection for that first game against Scotland I wouldn't be surprised if Brady comes right back into the team Kenny loves him he's always talked him up as one of Ireland's best players I think when Kenny took the senior job one of the things he said uh, was among his tasks was to get the best out of Robbie Brady mm. because he really rates, rates his, his quality very very highly uh, and rightly so like I mean Brady is technically one of the best players Ireland have. Um, I don't think that Kenny has always seen him as a left-back or a left-wing-back, but I think he does now because he was listed as a defender on um, on the squad sheet. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if Brady comes right back into the team. I don't think he's played for Ireland since March of last year, so he's, he's been away for a while. Kenny has kept him in and around the squad when he can. I know he came in to train uh, in the September window last year, I think, when he was still without a, cl- without a club before he signed for Bournemouth. So I wouldn't be surprised at all. He's been playing at left wing back for Preston, has been playing pretty well in one of the most bizarre teams in the Championship. I mean, all of their games this season have finished either 0-0, 1-0, 0-1 or 1-1. Like I Arsenal think. in the old days. I, th- I, th- I think, I might be wrong here, but Preston have both the best defensive record and the worst attacking record for the start of a season that anyone's had, yeah. which is absolutely bizarre. But Brady, at left wing back, has been doing pretty well. And you know he, he, he drifts inside as well and can cause problems closer to uh, closer to the middle of the field because he's played in those positions before and Kenny likes his wing backs to do that so I'd love to get Stephen's thoughts on it as well but I wouldn't be at all surprised if Brady was right back into the starting team Stephen? Yeah I completely agree I think uh, from a person I just think it's great to see Robbie back I know sort of the, the, the ups and downs he's had over the last you know season season and a half coming back from you know niggly injuries injuries here and there and then it was tough I think from last year not playing and you know, coming out of the squad. So for me, it's I think it's been a fantastic move. And, and like you said, he's been playing at a really high standard for Preston. I know, you know, speaking to some of the lads there, that they're so impressed with, with how he's been in the game. And for me, what Robbie always gives us is, is that quality, but that set-piece quality, which is massive. I know Connor Huron's got a great left foot. He's not always... In the t- not always a, f- a starter, you know, he, he starts the odd game and comes on off the bench. So I think getting someone like Robbie back in the squad and having that option to maybe play him from the start, which you know could could be a real possibility, possibility gives us a you know a real real chance of scoring from you know a seppi situation with his delivery. So you know, for me, I'm just really happy for him. I, I spoke to him the other day, just sent him a text to congratulate him back in the squad, and he, he's delighted to be back in. So. You know, it's great to see him back fully fit, fully playing and, and, and proving the quality that he's always had. Because for me, I completely agree, one of the most talented um, players that could be in that squad, definitely. That, that That's a very, very important point as well about set pieces because um, uh, I don't think Conor Horn's going to be a regular for Ireland. He's brilliant at set pieces. So to have a left-footed player um, of Brady's quality, and if you augment that then with, I think, you know, James McLean, 
does divide opinion in, in many respects, which I think is a little bit unfair because his, his, his attitude for Ireland has been so good. But for me, over the years, his crossing has been such a letdown at times, a serious, serious letdown, and there's no way he has the quality from wide positions that Robbie Brady or arguably Ryan Manning has. And I think if you're playing... Um, three at the back. Part of the reason you play three at the back is a your your centre backs can have more license to go forward, but b they can cover your full back a lot more. And we've three extremely good centre backs wherever we play, so the attacking aspect is going to be really important. And uh, I haven't seen Preston this season, but Robbie Brady's qualities are probably the best of the four. Who are your yeah, th- I, I, sorry, I, com- I completely agree with that. And I think what you know, the one thing I think you're right about James. I think James probably doesn't get the the credit and the the, the service he's given. To the national team and for me with, with James as well you know James can be a, a starter with his energy and, and, and how he can affect the game but also James is someone who I think is great when he comes off the bench because sometimes with the way we, we play and if the game isn't going away and we're finding it quite difficult to maybe break things teams down I think his energy and, and his enthusiasm when he does come on I think he affects the game so you know you can look at it either way um you know, whether Robbie or James starts, they they both bring quality, but there's no doubt on Robbie's ability. And, and I know, I, I don't know how true this is, but one of the lads was telling me, I think he's picked up, I think he picked up four out of five man of the matches for Preston so far this season in, in the first five games. And that was the impact he had there. So he's in good form, which is important. I think that's always important coming into these camps in, in such a big game. He's in good form. And, and if he gets the nod, he will bring that, you know, that quality. And also, you know, that set piece, which is massive for us in terms of us. We don't always create loads from open play, and I think we always look at Treff from set pieces. So if we can get that delivery right, it gives us um, you know, a massive opportunity to score goals. Do you see it as Egan, Omobamadele and Collins as the three now, Stephen, going forward? Do you know what? I couldn't call it. I think we've got so much quality. That's probably you know, by far the strongest area of our pitch at the minute. I think you, know, you can never count out Shane Duffy. I know he's not playing at the minute, but never lets Ireland down. Um, but, you know, the, the, the three lads you've just mentioned are having, you know, strong seasons. They've they've been brilliant in a green shirt. So I think it's it's a real positive for Stephen Kenny. He's got so many options and especially in, in them areas, I think the wide areas and the three at the back, it's, it's real, really, really strong competition. And, you know, you obviously still got Seamus who, who you know, albeit is not playing, is, is a great character around and he's the type of lad that, wouldn't have to play for six months and you could you could bring him in and, and, and he could be, you know, the best player on the pitch. So it's great to have them options. It'll be really interesting to see how he goes. Obviously, the last game when we played Scotland at home, we just overran them with energy, um, you know, on the ball, off the ball. So they'll probably have, have, have a, sim, a different game plan to come up against us. And, and I'm sure Stephen and his team will, will work on a way for us to go up there away from home and, and, and get another result. Five three one and six. I sense naivety, Rehaland and Man City. I understand why your contributors are enjoying watching them, as I do. But there'll be a price to pay. The Premier League will become less entertaining. City are now well on their way to winning, say, nine from ten titles. That's not entertainment. And the Super League is lurking in the background. It hasn't gone away, you know, says Malachi and Donegal. Good week to use that. Um, yeah, like there is that. And it, it, the other problem, JD, is that City, as Gavin alluded to, they're not flawless. Um, they are coughing up chances in games. Um, I mean, they couldn't beat Villa, uh, but. I dare I say there's definitely no team in England at the moment that's good enough to challenge them. Well, it's interesting because obviously sport moves on quite quickly and we get through things. But like We haven't even spoken about the Haaland goal against Dortmund. That was just unbelievable. The assist from Cancelo and then the leap in the air and leading with the foot uh, really high and then putting it into the net. Like, I don't know. I was, it was outrageous. I mean, we, I mean, Johnny's made reference to the fact he, he's like some kind of Norse god up front, but then he's got this velvet touch. He, he, he strikes me as a guy who... 
he got his growth spurt really late. So he was a small footballer, so he had to learn all the technical skills you need to survive as a, as a smaller footballer. And then all of a sudden sprouted to be looking down on everyone. So, uh, but I do agree, like, I mean, Liverpool's resistance, I, can, I think that's the right word for it in the last few seasons, has been magnificent and has fooled us into thinking that the Premier League isn't the kind of monopoly that, you know, Germany, France, um, let's not say Spain or Italy for the moment. Italy used to be under Juventus with, and, um, in Juventus' pomp. But City are, the, are totally dominant, uh, you know, and that, that texture has, uh, has pointed out the number of league titles that they're, that they're on course to win, and this is undoubtedly their era. I still think a team in the Premier League is more likely to beat another team rather than other leagues. Yeah. So I think Crystal Palace can beat Man City as they did last season. Like, you know, it went into the last day, Villa were 2 0 up. City only just won it. I know what you're saying, but I do think, and the, the Champions League failures of Man City have maybe kept them as an interesting case study to, to view because yeah, they I failed. They're still, like, I mean, the, the points totals win in the Premier League are still yeah. 90 plus, you know? Yeah. I mean, it does. Like, I am likely to tune into a Premier League game because I do feel like, well, you know, on their day, Crystal Palace can upset someone, etc. But that, I mean, that um, relative egalitarian age of the league kind of stops at third place. I mean, Liverpool and City were pretty much the only teams that could stop Liverpool and City were each other. Uh, I think Liverpool have fallen off quite a bit now at the start of the season. They don't look like they can match City stride for stride this season. But I think that... I think the I think the Premier League is as, is as walled off to the to the lower competition as any of the other big uh, big four leagues. Do you in think Europe. it can be cyclical though? It wasn't. It was only six years ago that Leicester won the league after Man United's dominance for so many years. Arsenal, Man United, like r- r- ruled the roost for so many years. Newcastle now will have all this money. United and Liverpool will always have money. Yeah, but you see that. I mean, it's cyclical. But you have to keep on. You have to spend. You have to find money to do that. Yeah. You know, it's only cyclical. It's cyclical only uh, if it's like, like Newcastle can you know get a wealthy backer in and spend their way to the top like I mean I'm not I don't know how healthy that is to be honest either um, and, and I think, I think the pro- I think the process of that is a lot longer than people think as well mm. you know, I, I remember reading when and hearing people speaking about Newcastle when they got this owner that they'll be challenging in three or four years but you know realistically there's so much money at the top of the game anyway are, are, are the best in the world going to want to go to a Newcastle rather than a Man United or a Chelsea so I think for me, that's always going to be a hard one when it, when a sort of a big owner comes in. I think for me, what, what Man City have done well, and listen, we know how good they are and, and how many leagues they've won over the last few years, but their recruitment, I, I don't think they get enough credit for their recruitment. I think, you know, you look at United, obviously Chelsea, you know, these teams have, have spent money and, and maybe some of the signings haven't worked. And, and you look at Man City, they don't tend to get it wrong when they sign a player. You know, there's not many, I, I wouldn't say, over the last few years where they've got it wrong. I think last year, the way I looked at it when they didn't sign Kane was that they were willing to, you know, not win the league if, without a striker if, 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 they could, if they knew Haaland was coming next year. And, you know, they still ended up going and winning the league. And they, I think they turned over a net profit this year, didn't they, from their, mm. their transfers. So, you know, there's a, a lot has to be said for that as well. Although they have the money there, they, they do work their recruitment really, really well. Yeah, it's like Arsene Finger said it, like they have petrol and ideas. Like we've had teams that had petrol, so petrol i.e. oil money, uh, and no ideas. And we've had teams with ideas but no money uh, to, uh, to fund them. City have had both, and they're the dominant side in the Premier League. Um, and just to go back to, uh, to a point that Texture was making, JD, I mean, the Premier League is the Super League in many ways. I mean, yeah, it's, it's the Global it's, League, it is the Global it's League. It's the Breakaway League, and now you see like, you know, top players from other European leagues 
not take a step up to a Juventus or a Bayern Munich or a Real Madrid or a Barcelona and swapping it for relegation battles in the Premier League. Like João Palinha at Fulham. Okay, maybe Fulham will finish higher up the table than expected. He's a brilliant player that could walk into any side. Like Camara left Marseille with suitors across Europe and went to Aston Villa. Diego Carlos left Sevilla for Aston Villa. Like, I mean, this is where the Premier League is where everyone wants to be. And it's not even the top of the Premier League anymore. It's the middle reaches and, and the relegation zone. You know, I mean, it's... Uh, you know, that's where the money is, that's where the glamour is, um, and that's where you'll get the most eyeballs and a chance to, uh, to step up somewhere else in the Premier League. The only reason why a Premier player would not go to the Premier League now is the weather. Ah! Sure, that's changing as well, so that's grand. Um, it's a lot warmer, and uh, yeah, that's not even an issue anymore. It doesn't even rain in Manchester anymore, I think. But uh, yeah, it's true. Um, and, you know, I, I don't take much joy out of the Man City project, but as a team and in terms of how Guardiola manages them and manages the egos and that um, they're... They're just that Champions League away, really, from greatness. Stephen, how you found the last few months? It was April, I think you hung up the boots, was it? Yeah, yeah, just before, yeah, just end of April before the season finished, yeah. So, yeah, been all right, um, enjoyed it. Uh, nice to have a bit of, bit of time off. Just uh, more away from the football calendar, really, is, is the one thing that I've enjoyed. I've, I've obviously missed the games and you miss training, you know, but once the body tells you you're ready to go, you're ready to go. But, um I have enjoyed, you know, being away from that calendar and sort of waking up knowing what day you're back for pre-season, what you have to do every week, turning up on a Saturday. And it's been nice to just go and, and watch games and, and network with people and, and start uh, start the ball rolling really for, for what, what I want to do next. Any coaching in that? Yeah, I do a bit of coaching at the minute. Um, my... My son's in Burton Albion's academy, so I've just been helping them out really, just to just to get some hours under my belt coaching. So um, I've done done a couple of my licenses, and, and I'm currently on on another one. So in, enjoy that side of it as well. I, I enjoy the business side of football as well. So I've just been off, um, you know, meeting people, just learning that side of it as well, and, and a bit of scouting as well. So yeah, just enjoying it. It's nice to have a bit of time. I think it, it was nice while the kids were off. Once they've now they've gone back to school, it's. It's, it can be a bit boring, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting back in, back in somewhere quick and, and getting a bit of structure again and, and start working. You're not going to become a football agent, are you? No, no, I'm not, no. no. <laughs> That's no, good. No. The- no, not for me. I, 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 do you know what? I, I, I just like being involved in the game too much and I feel like that's a little bit on the outside for me. So Really, yeah? Yeah, well, obviously, you're within the game, but I just, I, I'm, I'm very interested in the business side of the game and how clubs ru- are, are run. Um how they work and you know just the strategies the processes to get to where they want to be in terms of coming through the academy to the first team and uh you know how how they they make a turnover how they recruit players and and that that side of it really really appeals to me as well so i'm trying to keep as many options open as i can and um you know obviously use the contacts that i've made within the game to 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 go into clubs and and have meetings and just just learn that side of it as well because i think when you're a player you, you literally know what you're doing, you're training, you're on the grass and, and you're only taught us about the next training session, the next game. And um, I'm, I'm trying to broaden sort of my my knowledge of, of the other side of the game, something that you, you don't see as a player. So I've you know, taken a bit of time to, to go and research that and, and it's a side of the game that, that really interests me as well. You lived the dream, Stephen. Yeah, I did, yeah. Thank, thankfully, very lucky. But yeah, I, I did live live my dream. What was the best moment? Was it the Wolves Burnley phases? Were they the best moments getting into the Premier League and playing all those matches against the top players in the world? Yeah, of course. I think 
obviously the, the Premier League's the pinnacle and, and playing for your country they're, they're, they're the, the bits you, you you probably don't appreciate when you're in the moment but once you come out of it you, you realise sort of what you've achieved and how lucky you have to you've been to achieve that so yeah the, the, the Wolves and Burnley were very similar very similar sort of squads very similar managers in terms of how they went about their business how they were as people um, built I would say not the same, but 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 squads that that were were really alike in terms of the togetherness, the closeness, and sort of the age of the squad. Um, you know, so it was a bit bit younger when I was with Wolves, and then you know had a sort of a group of lads that were sort of 27, 28 when we went to Burnley. So um, very similar times, but but yeah, loved every minute of it. Loved every minute of of, of my time with both clubs, and um, to be fair, loved every every minute of of my career. The, the good times and the bad times, you, you you just you just get on with it and. You know, you realise you pinch yourself every day. You, you know, you're waking up to go play football, and obviously to to make it to the Premier League and playing the stadiums against some of the players you play, you, you can look back on it with, with real sort of fond memories. Did you have a favourite place to play? Uh, yeah, um, probably Old Trafford, and, and and I suppose you know I grew up as a Man United fan, so to go there and actually play, and, and I remember the first first time I played there, I remember being in the tunnel and we were lined up on. I think the, the left-hand side and the United players were coming out and the first person that walked out was Sir Alex Ferguson and just walked by us and just thought, you know, one of them sort of surreal moments that he was, obviously I knew he was the manager, but you don't realise how close he is and walked by us and I just thought, you know, just just, just one of them moments, am I actually here? Am I actually going out to play at Old Trafford? And um, yeah, Old Trafford for me was was just a special place, just just growing up being a United fan and, and Anfield as well. Anfield has got that history. I, I always enjoyed the sort of the grounds where where you just felt the history and uh, of the club, um, Villa Park. I always enjoyed playing in just purely because, as a kid, waking up on that Saturday morning watching the the semi-finals of the FA Cup and um, yeah, you know, great times. But 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 all them sort of older grounds were, were the ones for me. I know I know that this is a cliched question. And I'm sure you've had to answer it a thousand times, but nonetheless, I mean, who was your toughest opponent? Uh, do you know, I've answered this so many times and, <laughs> and, I, and I always give the same answer. People look back at me thinking, that's a, that's a strange answer. But actually, you know, you get to play against so many great players and, and, and they can hurt your team in so many different ways. But I tried to look at it from a point of view of who actually was up against me sort of as a right winger rather than, you know, maybe a Kevin De Bruyne or a Aguero or someone like that. So for me, the one that I always found really difficult was actually Willian from Chelsea. Right. When Chelsea when he was flying at Chelsea. Yeah, he was so hard working and, and he was quick, but he never gave you a second on the ball. And then when he had it, he, he had this, he was so sharp, he'd just take a touch out of his feet and had no backlift. So it was really difficult to try actually block a cross because he literally, as you're lifting your foot to block the cross, the ball was already gone. And I always found that difficult. He never actually, didn't always take it on 1v1. He would just touch and, and try whip it in early and without you actually getting the chance to to make up the ground. So he, he was one that I always thought was tough. And um, Salah obviously was tough to play against, but I, I was I always found it a bit of a help that he was left-footed playing on the right and he tended to go inside. So I used to try pass him on to a centre midfielder. Um, but yeah, I, I always say Willian and they get some, some strange reactions. But yeah, he, he, I think in a 1v1 situation, I always found him... To, to be to be a really good really good player Stephen Ward Johnny Ward and uh, Gavin Cooney on Football Saturday here on Off the Ball and News Talk Wolves nil Manchester City 3 is a result Newcastle nil Bournemouth nil a later score in the Championship it finished Swansea 3 Hull nil 
Birmingham nil, Coventry nil is the latest. Also latest scores, Burnley 1, Bristol City 1, Huddersfield 1, Cardiff 0, Luton 0, Blackburn 0, Millwall 1, Blackpool 1, Norwich 0, West Brom 1, Preston 0, Sheffield United 0, QPR 0, Stoke 0 and Watford 1, Sunderland 0 and Wigan 0, Reading 0. And Scotland in the Premiership, Hibernian nil, Aberdeen won as the latest. It is Rangers won, Dundee United nil. Goal is between St Johnston and Ross County. And Livingston won, Kilmarnock nil in Scotland. Full-time Leinster 33, Zebra 29 in the United Rugby Championship. So closer than people would have thought in that match. Uh, that is in Italy this afternoon. Also at the moment, Munster trailing Cardiff by five points to three. We're back after this. The Koi Gig Pod has made a new signing. Your goalkeeping coach is your god. Emma Byrne is joining Kathleen and Karen this season. Keep up to date with all the WSL action every Tuesday and subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports. And you're welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five this evening. This is Football Saturday. Remember, Football and Off The Ball brought to you by Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports. You can listen on News Talk. Watch us on the digital and social channels. For Periscope and Twitter, at Off The Ball, YouTube, Facebook and on the OTB Sports app. You can text us 53106 and uh, tweet us at Off The Ball. Newcastle on the attack against Bournemouth here in the only three o'clock game. They've just hit the woodwork. So uh, likely that they're probably going to break the deadlock if a goal is going to be scored. Joined on the line by the Republic of Ireland international, former and now uh, Stephen Ward, uh, also Wolves and Burnley uh, Premier League player, the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward in studio as well with the sports writer of the 42, Gavin Cooney between now and five. 50 Ireland caps, Stephen. What was your favourite day? Was there a favourite moment on those 50 caps? Um, I'd say that my favourite moment was the um, the Italy game. Uh, ah, in yeah. Probably the favorite favorite moment of my career, to be honest with you. Um, just the whole the whole day, the the, the result, um, just everything about it. Really, I think up against it, trying to trying to win a game to qualify through the group was, you know, it was just one of them games I'll never forget. And obviously, a moment in the game, obviously when Robbie scored, is is, is something that, I'll, you know, probably probably the most happiest I was in my career. I think when that went in. Um, but yeah, yeah, great. You know, listen, every time you pulled on that shirt, it was, it was an absolute honour, I think. From the first one I made in the Carling Nations Cup, um, you know, never even dreamt that I'd get one. So to get 50 was brilliant. And um, I think everything about the France, the, the trip to France was just um, unforgettable, really. And unfortunately, <laughs> we ended up going out to France. But even in that game, I felt like we we, we gave a good account of ourselves against a, a top quality team and um, yeah, no, brilliant. Like, enjoyed it, enjoyed it all. What was the address room like after the Italy game? Crazy. It was brilliant. <laughs> it, it, no, it was brilliant. It was, um, we actually, I, I think we, we ended up, we had about two and a half hours on the bus after to get back to our base uh, after the game. So, as you can tell, everyone was, there was a few, a bit of a sing-song, everyone was was delirious and um, yeah, no, it, it was it was brilliant. One of, one of the best best moments in, in terms of coming in after a game and knowing that we'd got out of the group and, and beating, you know, uh, you know, Italy, such a strong nation, 1-0. Um, and I think what was really significant about it was, I think it was, the, uh, as far as I remember, it was the last group game of the whole group stage um, or the, our group was the last one on. So, I remember, I know the teams had to wait to see our result to see if the best third place had qualified and, and so forth. So it was sort of like all eyes were on that game to see the result. And 
Uh, obviously, we, we went and, and, and won the game. And uh, unfortunately, that meant we'd such a quick turnaround to the France game because we, we were the last ones in the group. But, uh, you know, felt like we, we, we gave a really good account of ourselves against France and, and, and just came up a little bit short. How did it kind of, I suppose, how did it go wrong for Ireland after that, do you think? Because that was, I suppose, the high point of that route, of that regime. Uh, it's difficult to say, really. I think I think, I think with us, we, we've always been a, a country and a team that's sort of punched above our weight. And I think for years we've done it. And, um, you know, there was always maybe going to be that time where that cycle ended and there was going to be a bit of a lull. And, and I think now Stephen Kenny's come in and, and he's he's rebuilding a new a new era, really, is, you know, the way I see it. And, Obviously, it's, it's took him took him a while to get his his, his, his sort of philosophy across and, and sort of get his squad probably the way he he wants to he wanted to wanted it to look. So, you know, I have to say after working with Stephen at the Bohemians and knowing him from, you know, he actually gave me my debut in, in league football for for Bowes years and years ago. So, you know, I'm delighted to see how it's going from at the minute. And I think you know it's a real credit to him that even at the start when it was difficult and the games weren't going maybe the way they were, he stuck. To his, stuck to the way he believed football should be played and uh, you know I think at the minute when you go and watch Ireland you, you see a great brand of football and, and I, I can only see the team getting better because you know I've watched a lot of the players this you know last sort of season or so I've seen a few of them play live this year and you can just see them getting better and better and maturing as players and I think there's a big future ahead for a lot of them It should be a long term project then in your view uh, Well I, th- I think we, we had such success for you know, in terms of the Robbie Keane here and, and, and players coming through, qualifying for tournaments, obviously then, then, then you know, you lose a player like Robbie and, you know, it, it's not easy to replace. I think you look at where Robbie stands in terms of the, the international goal scorers. It's, it's, it's unbelievable what he does. I don't think people, people, you know, he does get the credit, but I just don't think... He doesn't think... get enough credit, though. That is yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I, it's I strange, just think, but I, I don't just, understand that, to be honest. I just, I just think, you know, to, to do for a country like a small nation like ourselves to score the goals that he did to, to play at the clubs he did and, and do it on an international scene you know people say international football is, is the top of the tree uh, you know and, and he done it on a consistent basis so to lose a player like that it, it was always going to be a, a period where it was going to be difficult for us to maybe compete the way that that, that we, we did over the years that we had Robbie so there has been a, a bit of a lull and, and, and it's been difficult but now I see it as you know, a process. There's got to be a longer process now. You know, you look at, I always, you know, people always compare us to sort of Wales and Scotland that they are, and it took them a long time to get today to where they want to be or qualify for a major tournament. We've been lucky enough that we've done it, you know, on, on a few more occasions. So, you know, for me, it was always going to be a long process and, and people had to have a, a bit of a longer vision with it. And, and I think Stephen now is, is reaping the, the benefits of having that time to build his squad, to build his philosophy you know, to get his players playing the way he wants to play. And listen, ideally, uh, you know, we were lucky enough, you know, earlier in my year and, and, and so forth that we had a lot more players playing in the Premier League. But that's just getting so difficult at the minute with the influx of, you know, the transfer market, the, the money that's been spent. And, and like you said, people want to come and play in the Premier League because the, the money is where it is. And, and that's just the reality of it. So, um, you know, the... the the, the reality for us is that we probably won't have that many players playing in the Premier League you know as many as we would have won but I think there is signs and over the last sort of year or so the signs that the, the team is really coming together they're really enjoyable to watch um, and yeah hopefully you now coming into the, the next campaign where the qualifying for the next Euros I think that'll be massive for us Is the Championship good enough as a level to 
have a successful international football team? Uh, you'd hope so. I think nowadays you look at the, how limited the chances are for players in the Premier League. It's it's so difficult. You, you know, the one thing that's even more difficult is that if you're a Championship player and a Premier League club is trying to sign you, that they look they could probably go off to France or Spain and get a similar a player of similar ilk for half the price because you know that the pyramid works that way in England that they know teams in the Championship can demand they know what they can demand off Premier League clubs. So it is it is getting more difficult that. You know, I, I, I say it to even, you know, even speaking to my son about it, you know, all kids want to be footballers. And, and it is so difficult nowadays with, with that foreign influx. And, and, you know, even look at Man City, they've got six other clubs across the world where they can attract players to choose from. So, yeah, I, I think the championship now is is getting a lot stronger. I think you look at the, the not only the, the standard, I think you look at the size of the clubs in the championship nowadays, you know, there's some absolutely huge clubs in the championship that have spent years in the Premier Leagues. So for me, yeah, I think ideally you're hoping lads can either get moved to the Premier League or maybe get promoted with their current club. But um, yeah, listen, it's it's where the game is. It's, it's where it's at financially. And, and, and we have to, uh, you know, accept that a little bit. And I think Stephen deserves a lot of credit for what he's getting out, out of the current squad and, and how they're, playing and performing in the games and, and the philosophy that he's, he's you know, built in, into that squad. Munster now leading Cardiff by six points to five. Uh, Summerhand, is it, Johnny? 12 to one winner of the Argyll Cup. I don't know if that's the way you pronounce the horse. Yeah, Summerhand and um, 12 to one, 10 to one. Um, David O'Mara, the Cork man. And yeah, so Joan Le Pan back in third, Comanche Falls second. So um, the Stroll Festival starting tomorrow. So yeah. You have racing man Stephen. Oh, he! I, the last time I saw Stephen Ward, I hope he doesn't mind me admitting this was in a McDonald's during Cheltenham. Right. So I was going to say that. Yeah, that, that, that's about as far as I go, Cheltenham. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I've I've been Cheltenham probably yeah last six or seven years. So that's probably as that's probably as out there as I go. I think I think that's um, yeah that's pr- probably the only time I have a bet on on the horses is, is down at Cheltenham. Not that I know what I'm doing, but I just like to go for the day and give the bookies my money. <laughs> It's a really popular thing with footballers, isn't it, to go down to Cheltenham for a couple of days, isn't it? Yeah, do you know what? I, I think why it's great is it comes at a stage in the season when it, it's nice to have a bit of team bonding, if that makes sense. You come at the sort of the business end, whether you're in a relegation battle or you're fighting for promotion, it's it's a great day. And most of the times I've gone, it's, it's tended to be with, with the lads on the team. We'd have a day out down at Cheltenham and, um, you know, even lads that aren't really into the race and we'll, we'll just come for the day and it, it's a great bit of fun. 53106, you want to get in touch, folks. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and any kind of comment? Uh, Rory McIlroy kind of stalling and actually behind now in the golf. He's uh, eight under par through 13 holes, one over for his round today. One shot now off the lead, shared by Matt Fitzpatrick and Aaron Rye on day three of the Italian Open. Uh, we got Stephen Ward, Johnny Ward here and Gavin Cooney on Football Saturday. Plenty more to come after the news. Just before we go there, we'll go through the scores in England in the Premier League a goalless at halftime between Newcastle and Bournemouth earlier on Manchester City 3-0 winners over Wolves in the Championship it finished Swansea 3 hole nil a halftime scores Birmingham nil, Coventry nil, Burnley 1 Bristol City 1 Huddersfield 1 Cardiff nil, Luton nil, Blackburn nil, Millwall 1 Blackpool 1 Norwich nil, West Brom 1 at half time it is Preston nil, Sheffield United 1 QPR nil, Stoke nil, Watford 
uh, and Sunderland are tied at a goal apiece and Wigan nil, Reading nil, a 7.45 start for the match between Middlesbrough and Rotherham. Uh, and also in Scotland this afternoon, Rangers 1-0 up against Dundee United, Hibernian 1, Aberdeen 1, Livingston 1, Kilmarnock 0 and St Johnston 0, Ross County 0. 53106 for any text messages, any questions to Stephen Ward, any opinions on football. We're back between 4 and 5 with Stephen, Johnny and Gavin Cooney on Football Saturday here on News Talk and Off the Ball. Join us in a few minutes. Football on Off the Ball with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk. John, I'll go with you through to five this evening. This is Football Saturday. Remember, Football on Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. You can text us 53106, tweet us at Off the Ball, listen on News Talk, watch us on the digital and social channels. For Periscope and Twitter at Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. Delighted to have Stephen Ward, 50 caps for the Republic of Ireland, on the line and in studio as well. Johnny Ward, the broadcaster and journalist, and the sports writer with the 42, Gavin Cooney, between now and five. A lovely message in here. Stephen. Uh, Barry Kay on Twitter I wanted to thank Stephen Ward when my son finished his chemotherapy Stephen brought us all over to Burnley versus Chelsea where Chelsea fans my son got to meet all of his heroes were forever grateful to Stephen. Fair play Stephen. No problem at all. Um, we will go through now the action during the week. Liverpool against Ajax. What's your kind of take on Liverpool at the moment? A bit of a sense of crisis after the Napoli game. Jurgen Klopp very unhappy. They raised it the other night. Anfield always helped. Salah got on the score sheet. Uh, Matip came into the team, played well. Thiago played well. What's your assessment of where Liverpool are at the moment, Stephen? Um, I think it's a bit of a hangover, really, from the end of last season. Um, Obviously, the way the, the, the season ended for them in you know, listen, they had an incredible season as have done over the last few years. But I just think, you know, to lose the, the league on the last day, coming so close again, and then obviously the following week, Champions League, in a game that you wouldn't say they dominated, but you would have, you know, put them down as favourites to win the way they were playing. And I think it's just rolled on a little bit into this season. And you combine that with losing Sadio Mane, who was so influential. And, and I, I think they just haven't got going this year. Listen, for me, there's no doubt they'll be the closest challengers still. Um, I think it'll just, you know, that goal, maybe that winning goal in the last few minutes against Ajax must be, might just be the spark that they need. But, uh, you know, watching Liverpool this year, they, they have dominated a lot of games and, and they just haven't scored goals at the right time or when they needed to. And ended up, you know, I think it was Crystal Palace at home, even at 10 men and it was... I mean, they drew the game one each and, and, you know, with 10 men, they just completely dominated the game, just couldn't find that winning goal. So, listen, I've no doubt they'll, they'll come come good and, and they'll be right up there in all competitions. I just think the problem they have, which is, is is the problem for everyone in the Premier League, is that Man City are just so good at the minute and you don't really want to give them too much of a head start because it, it'll be very difficult to, to to catch them up. Where where did the Napoli first half come from, though, Stephen? Like, the you know the way you see these like bad movies where um you know the 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 team that's defending in a they're just full of actors who actually can't play football liverpool looked defended a bit like that it was just it was so perplexing it was like as if there was a complete meltdown um and i don't know it just for me it was something it was it it struck me that there must be something quite wrong there i know they obviously rallied and beat ajax but like i don't know it was, i couldn't get my head around that yeah, it was a strange. It was a strange performance first half, wasn't it? Or well, throughout the ninety minutes, I think. And you know, you come accustomed to Liverpool going away to these teams and, and just steamrolling them. Listen, you know, you can put it down to many factors. It's you know, I think they they haven't had the the, 
best luck with injuries during the start of the season. I know Thiago, who's so influential, has been out for a bit. And, you know, you also have players who've probably been there a long time, you know, like James Milner, who's, who's you probably look at someone, look at him now and, and think he's, you know, a squad player and, and he's ended up starting games in, in really important games. And I just felt like Napoli done to Liverpool what Liverpool have done to teams so often and just, you know, just, just outworked them, outran them, looked like they had so much pace on the counter-attack and it was strange to see really and I think for Liverpool you know there's still that in the squad and you know I think maybe they may have wanted a few more in the transfer window that, that haven't, hasn't hasn't come off And um, but listen for me it just seems for me it's a little bit of a hangover they responded well in the Ajax game to get that result I think there's no doubt they'll still go through in their group and uh, you know it'll be a strange season as we all know with the World Cup coming up so you know if they can sort of get back on track and, 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 you know, close the gap a little bit coming into the World Cup, then it's it's going to be a completely new season then, you know, come January time. And, and if they do need investing, they'll, they'll have plenty of time to do that and, and get right back into the competition. Julian Nagelsmann, sorry to, to yeah. cut in, but Nagelsmann said something interesting. He, the Bayern manager after the Barcelona game, <coughs> Mane having started pretty well at Bayern, said a few in different games, and he said something along the lines of, uh, Mane put in a lot last season for Liverpool as in the inference being that Mane is still tired and fatigued from last season, which is an interesting thing to say. And then you can imagine, well, it cannot be applied to all of the Liverpool players because it does, it does look that way. Like they're being, like Stephen, what you said there is absolutely spot on. Like they're, they're Liverpool, um, opponents are now doing to Liverpool what Liverpool used to do to their opponents. They're being outrun in most games. I think maybe they outran Ajax in midweek and maybe that's the start of... Of a, of a process of recovery and that they're on the way back, but I think as well, you you look at the way they play, the intensity they play after, you know, four or five years now. You know, Man City are are intense, but with the ball, you know, they they, they sort of suffocate you on the ball. Liverpool were just high energy constantly, you know, running in behind, closing down from the front, and you know, I think if you don't have that influx of players maybe coming in just to yeah, Tottenham had people, that problem under Pochettino. Yeah, you know, you know, I'm not saying. Listen, they're they're highly, <coughs> highly, highly fit athletes. You know, at the top of their game, but you know, it, it it can be maybe hard to sustain that constantly. And maybe you know, after giving so much last year, I think they was it a stat that they played in every game possible last year in terms of all the you know they got to every final they could possibly get to played every game in, in, in the in the league. So, you know, they literally played in every fixture they could have played in last year. It's going to take its toll. And I, and I feel like it's just a little bit of a hangover. Maybe lads are still just trying to find their right form, um, you know, to start. Because bear in mind, they don't get as, as, as much time off as they used to. The league started earlier this year, so they would have been back in pre-season, this, you know, a little bit earlier after having the internationals. And, you know, maybe they just need, needed them, you know, first couple of weeks of the season to find their, find their legs again and, and, and find their form. But... You know, I think moments like that at Anfield, scoring in the last minute, the reaction of the crowd, you know, that'll 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 give them a lift that they need. And and you know, I think the game, I think I'm sure that game's off this weekend and they'll go away international break. And I'm sure once they come back from that, you know, you'll see a different Liverpool. I think the like the cancellation of games for the Royal um, because of the Queen's death is just it's just a further sign of how I think how far removed the people who run the game are in terms of the demands on players and how difficult it is. Like it's so difficult and. You know, no wonder Klopp is just shaking his head at this. Well, it's obviously all, this North's All Star game, all this yeah, nonsense coming out as nonsense. well from the Chelsea owner. The yeah, week. absolutely. I mean, the less said about that, the better, I think. Um, but you know, I, I guess Stephen will know this. If 
if you're a f- couple of percent off collectively um, at that level, you suddenly start getting found out. And I do wonder, I do wonder about Virgil Van Dijk as well. I think he's spoken about this himself. Like when his his air of in- invincibility is definitely gone at the moment. I'm not sure is he going to get it back. But if he's not, like he's just not the player he was. And when he when you take him out of the equation to an extent I think Liverpool just don't look the team that they were I, I definitely feel Thiago is going to be a big help JD he's he, midfield has been an issue but got to stay fit though got to stay fit which he probably won't I, I don't know what you think of, of Van Dijk Stephen it just I mean his injury was horrific he, he just doesn't seem to have that he doesn't seem to have that presence or maybe body language of the player that he was yeah, I think he looks a bit frustrated, but I think they all are a bit frustrated. I think both fullbacks probably haven't had the, mm. the starts of the season that, that they would have wanted either. And, and everyone knows how dangerous and how you know brilliant they've been for Liverpool over the last few years. I, I think when it comes to Van Dijk as well, what what maybe hasn't helped them. Listen, players are going to have a little bit of loss of form, and, and and you know they're not, you know they're human. At the end of the day, they're not always going to be able to perform at the top top of their game every week in week out for forever. Do you know what I mean? There's going to be the odd two or three games but probably what's not helped him is he at the minute it tends to be a different centre half mm. partner beside him you know he, I felt last year towards the end of the season him and Matip or him and Kanate look like you know really strong partnerships and, and I feel like they've had a bit of a stop start season with their injuries and it seems to be you know Robertson's come off a few times which you wouldn't have expected and you know Shimikas has come on and, and, and that didn't really happen before as much and you know, maybe it is. They just they just need a. I think they just need a reset button. I think, you know, the the, the start of the season has been tough for them. Um, I think, like I said, to play in every fixture last year. You know, you look at some teams that might go out go out with the Carling Cup, or the Carabao Cup early, or the FA Cup. You know, they literally played in every game possible, and you know the demands for them to perform at that level for. I think it's. I think it works out about sixty games. Is it sixty games? I think they they play in. 60 odd games so you know the, the the off season was a lot shorter they're back in then now and you know the, the, I feel like this couple of weeks now with obviously the games being cancelled um, you know international break coming up coming up you, you know it wouldn't surprise me to see maybe the Liverpool players not maybe playing as many minutes in, in, in the upcoming games um, just to give them that little bit of of a, of a reset or, or a bit more freshness coming back and then for me you'll see a different Liverpool once the international break's over and you know, I've no doubt, or well, I would feel, st- still feel that they will be the closest ones to Liverpool if, if they get back on form. I don't City, know. Yeah. To, well, to Man City, sorry, to Man yeah. City. Yeah. I don't know as well, Gav, if, if, if this has been a thing for Klopp before where he's faced this existential moment where he's like, I have to change something here. It's because, not Dortmund, you don't fall off a cliff at Dortmund. Yeah, and like, basically. so then it, maybe, maybe like a new club refreshed you or whatever, but at Liverpool, it's been like just almost. They, but he hasn't, he hasn't had to sell the players. Like at Dortmund's. Dortmund were picked off by Bayern, you mm-hmm. know, so he wanted to keep Goetz and Lewandowski and Hummels, but they were taken from him. Mm. He's never been in a position before to say, like, to his top guys, listen, guys, it's over. You know, Virgil van Dijk is the rock upon which I built my success at some point, because Klopp's going to be there till, what, 2026 now. At some point, he's going to have to tell van Dijk, that's enough. You know, he's going to have to tell Henderson, that's enough. He's going to have to tell Milner. He's going to have to tell Salah, maybe, at some point as well. Like, that's a really interesting, because he's... He demands such loyalty, but he seems like a very loyal coach. He's very loyal to his players. 
he's never had to, he's never had to turn around and do that. Like the the famous example from Liverpool's history is Bill Shankly stayed way too loyal to his first team, and it took a couple of seasons of defeat um, and underperformance to realise, hang on, I need to move on from these players. So that's a really interesting dynamic, and you might say that Liverpool have already been a little bit too generous to those players because they've now handed out relatively big long-term contracts to guys in their 30s, like Van Dijk, like Salah, like Henderson. Okay, I'm sure James Milner is not near, uh, not close to their highest earners. But that is, that's a dynamic at Liverpool that I don't think we were expecting to see. You so know, are I we think. saying that he doesn't have the same of the Ferguson ruthlessness? That Ferguson? Yes, I think he has to prove it. I, I think there is a level of ruthlessness there with him, absolutely. But, I mean, no, no one was as ruthless as Ferguson. Like, Roy Keane will tell you that. Um, and that's an interesting test. Like, I mean... That was, I mean, Ferguson's longevity was built on, on many things. and Ince, uh, classic one. And just, yeah, would, would just, like, drop people at, uh, almost um, almost as soon as he real. And even make mistakes with, like, Stam, you know? Yeah, well... Yeah, I, I was going to mention Ferguson. It's a perfect example, isn't it? You look at the likes of the players, Stam, Beckham, these lads that all moved on, and he, you know, he, he always just, you know, worried about, the club and who he was bringing in then and it was once they're out the door they're out the door regardless of, of how long they've been there but I, I think with the, the loyalty thing I think that they're, you, you, I don't really think it's the right word, word to use in terms of he is loyal but these players have given him so much they've also you know the likes of Salah and like they're still world class players. They're just having a bit of an off time at the minute. I don't think it's. But do you have a recess team then in the way that they play? Because there's there's definitely an argument that teams have sort of figured them out. And Guardiola absolutely did this with City, where they're in extremely intense pressing. Like he leveled back on that. I think it was kind of during the pandemic where he realised that listen, we have to just change this a little bit because uh, just to actually get through the season a bit. And you can see with City, they're a bit more controlled now. So does. Does Klopp need to reassess um, the way Liverpool actually play um, or does he sort of need to change personnel and bring in new players? Like, I think, I even think the likes of Jota has been a, a player that they're missing. Just that little bit. Yeah, of, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I agree. I agree. I think he's a massive loss when he doesn't play. Um, you know, I think Firmino's come back into some good goal scoring form this year, but I always feel for some reason when I watch Liverpool, I think Jota gives them more in terms of how they want to play. I think Firmino tends to maybe slow the game down a little bit which doesn't always suit them but yeah you could be right listen I think I don't think anyone can question Jurgen Klopp as a manager I think you know the job he's done and he will figure it out regardless he will you know I'm sure he's in the training ground you know he knows himself as well as anyone that the team hasn't started the way they would have wanted and, and that that's you know something that Maybe he will have to change. Maybe, you know, that intensity, they might have to come off in a little bit. But I also feel that that's what they're built on. Um, so it just might be a case of getting back to, you know, the, the basics. I think that's that's the one thing. Liverpool, you know, they do tend to play the high line. And, and I think they're probably giving up maybe more chances than they, than they usually did. And that's probably one thing that you'd say, you know, with Van Dijk there when he's marching the back back four. They did, they did give up the odd chance, but there wasn't too many too many that you'd remember them giving up and I think they're probably just giving up a few too many chances and maybe they, he might just have to get them a bit you know a bit more solid for a bit and you know they, they have the players to score goals and it might just be be a case of tweaking some things but I do feel like this little reset button will will, yeah. will definitely help Well Nunes is going to be very interesting because we haven't really seen Nunes yet, have we? we haven't seen whether yeah. it's going to work or not well, I mean, yeah. it hasn't worked so far, really, has it? No, it was, the, the shot we, against the crossbar against Everton it. was kind of one of these moments where you're like, if that goes in, um, but it didn't. Yeah, and the headbutt against Palace, like, 
How is he that easily riled? I mean, you never... There's a good stat, like, he's the first player, uh, Liverpool player under Klopp to be sent off for violent conduct, yeah, for just being for just being provoked. And, like, you know, there was the clip going round from Tussin with Jakob Anderson. I wouldn't say... <laughs> I wouldn't say Anderson was indulging in any kind of dark arts. He was just mildly shoving him. And, and Nunes called, like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and uh, it wasn't dark arts by Nunes either, because he, he waves waves at the referee's attention, and once the referee is looking directly at them, he headbutts the guy. Um, so I know I've I've kind of talked there about will Liverpool be able to change? Will they be able to evolve? Well, the thing that they have changed is bringing Darwin Nunes, and and so far that that well, it really hasn't worked so far. It's it's too early to be writing him off, and he might improve. Um, but I think one of the kernels of their early season struggles has been the fact that he he really hasn't adapted. Salah has been quiet as well, JD. I mean, his stats were yeah. to the, yeah. um, you know, he's he's seems like he's slightly playing a different role. I mean, Gav, I've touched on an interesting point there. Salah, if Salah, which he will, when he loses his pace, and if that regresses even a little bit, he's not the player he was. And these are these are fascinating questions for Klopp. I think. Um, yeah, well, it's, it, it is a really interesting question whether you evolve um, the style or whether you evolve the personnel with the old style. You got to evolve though, because but City have evolved. Yeah, have I mean, City evolved. have like, like City have they, like, they brought in also. Alvarez as yeah, well. Absolutely, and City could play. City probably, I think, like Guardiola probably is now thinking Arsenal to a degree have evolved. Brought in two really good players. Oh, they have, they've, they've evolved and they've they've changed almost the um, the backbone of that team. Like in that, I think he's gotten the right personalities there, and yeah, also culturally, they're, yeah. they're much better defensively. And a young um, team. City are probably like. You know, we can be a five or six out of ten job defensively this season and comfortably win the league because Haaland's just going to get 180 goals, like, or whatever it is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, Liverpool don't have that. They don't have that at the moment where Liverpool, if Liverpool concede goals, I think they've conceded six in the league, which isn't terrible. But if they concede goals, um, they don't really look like they've the kind of quality at the moment to compensate. I just think Stevens, I think, you know, you played a whirlwind for so many years, it's difficult. I could never get over there. I could never get over their ability to play all these games and still have this energy. It was, it was basket case to me. Yeah, maybe it was- it was, it was mind blowing, wasn't it? Mm. How they just kept going. But I think, I think as well, when you look at Man City and, and and you know we talk about evolving. I think you know you look at the Newcastle game where they can see the three goals, yeah. And then within the next window, they've signed a the Kanji from Borussia Dortmund straight away, and and he looks like you know he's he's assured them up already. I think they've kept you know they obviously kept a clean sheet today, but he looks like he's ready made for Man City already. And I think fifteen million they paid for him, so you know that recruitment side of it again. You know, we're not. Pep's obviously not happy with them conceding a couple of goals early in the season. You drop points at Newcastle, a new player comes in and, and not obviously breaking their structure or going too mad in, in how they sign. So I, I, I feel probably privately Klopp would have wanted a couple more in within the yeah. summer and, mm. and Liverpool work a little bit differently to other clubs in terms of finances and, and he, he's always honest enough to accept that and come out and, and, and sort of knows, you know, what he's working with and, and I think, but I do think privately he would have maybe thought, right, we, we we gave it absolutely everything last year. We got, you know, to all the finals. We just missed out on the league. We, you know, losing Mane. I know they got Diaz in, in the January. He was being a, a revelation, but I think he might have just wanted maybe one or two more just to to, to maybe, you know, seeing Haaland coming in just to compete a bit more with Man City. Not to say that they won't, won't get close to them, but I think... Privately, you know, without coming out in front of the media, he, he will be looking going. We maybe just be be one or two, you know, fresh faces short. Five three one and six folks, Liverpool fans, you got a view on what we're saying here about them. Stephen Ward, Johnny Ward, and Gavin Cooney here on Football Saturday. Man United, uh, Ericton Hag seems to, like he knows what he's doing. Would you agree, Stephen? 
Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. I think uh, obviously chalk and cheese since the first couple of games of the season, and uh, you know, for me looking at it, I think the players are buying a bit more into to what he's wanting to do. I think start of the season, obviously, you want to start off well. Didn't didn't go great the first couple of games. I think the Brentford game was was obviously a disaster for 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 Man United as a as a team, and and but I think the reaction since then, and and I think what's what's good about it is they've sort of found a way to play if that makes sense he he obviously wants the, the pressing game and, and I'm sure he'd want Man United to have more of the ball but they've surrendered the ball in a lot of the games and played on the counter-attack because you know that seems to be working for them and, and I think the likes of Sancho Rashford have, have had strong pre-seasons and taken that form now into the last couple of games so yeah listen it looks like it's, it's, it's turned around I still think that they can they will be better they will get better um, but like I said these these things take time it's 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 never a quick fix you you think for you know people look at three or four weeks in pre-season and think it's it's going to change exactly how they play or they're going to come back as, as this new team it's not but there are the signs are really good now they look like a, a much stronger unit and, and I think um, throughout the season you know he looks like he, he's got a philosophy looks like he knows how he wants to play team and, and you've got to give him a lot of credit you know to have a personality like Ronaldo there if you know, to leave him on the bench, knowing what he can do and the goals he can score, but he doesn't fit the way he wants to play the game um, and is used more as an impact sub. So you, you have to credit him, you know, for doing that. And the easy thing would be to just keep Ronaldo in the team and, and take the pressure off yourself. But, you know, he, he's brave enough not to and, and they're reaping the rewards at the minute. When a, when a new manager starts at one of these super clubs, they're often defined at the at the beginning by who they don't play rather than who they do play. Like you think of, of Guardiola dropping Joe Hart, say, for, for Claudio Bravo, uh, and Ten Hag is following that template. I mean, the, the most important thing he's done so far has been to bench Ronaldo and Maguire. Yeah. They, look, they look a completely different team just because they have more legs in, it, legs in the team. And it's, uh, Stephen is, I agree with Stephen there, that it, it, it's, it's, it's admirable. Uh, the, the level of strength that uh, Ten Hag has shown uh, to, to drop Ronaldo and, and make those decisions. Big moment, yeah. JD. Yeah. 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 Philip yeah. Billing. Philip Billing has scored for Bournemouth away to Newcastle. Oh, wow. 1 0. He's got top been, billing. Uh-huh. Bournemouth have been um, excellent here. I mean, they've, they've, Newcastle hit the post in the first half, but they've kept them fairly, fairly quiet and have looked re- reasonably dangerous on the break. And as you say, JD, subject to VAR, but this looks a nice spa- smash and grab for a team that not so long ago obviously shipped nine at Anfield. Terrible jerseys, though. Oh, it's shocking. The, the other troubling news for this is that the Brazilian goalkeeper Neto seems to have played yeah. very well in Mark Travers' absence. I mean, Travers seems to have carried the can for the 9 0. Yeah, he That's has, hasn't side. he? That's going to be fine. He has, yeah. uh, and wrongly so, I think. I mean, the only mistakes you you would maybe blame him for one of the nine goals, two if you're being slightly Irish. Um, but he's carried the can for it, and uh, well, troublingly from an Irish point of view, that the Brazilian replacement has done well so far. I don't even know what colour I'd call that Bournemouth jersey, to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't think it's that bad. Is it? Uh, is it kind of a purple or a, it's a light pa- blue? Powder it's blue. Light blue, no. You'll have to describe it to me, lads, because I'm looking at a blank screen. <laughs> it's all right, okay. You, you're nice, nice and comfy in the studio watching the, watching a game of football. The, mm. the, the Dutch jersey was brought out this week for the World Cup, and it's almost like an amber colour. It's a disgrace. It's amazing. Like I didn't know you could get a Dutch jersey wrong. Yeah. 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 Did you swap many jerseys in your career, Stephen? Any? Do you frame them, put them up on the wall, or anything? No, I, I don't actually. I um, from some games where obviously. I tended to, to do it if we got a good result or, um, you know, if it, if it was a special game in terms of the, the, the European Championships. But no, I, I always felt a little bit, uh, 
well, no, I wasn't always on on the end of the great results against the sort of bigger team. So, do you know, I, I, and it's 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 the case with a lot of Irish lads. Really, we we tend to swap with fellow Irish players. Really, it's always um, it's always quite a nice thing when you play against you know one of your fellow countrymen. And I think most of the shirts I have are probably from the Irish lads I've played against through, throughout the years. Very good, very good. Uh, 53106, hi, I couldn't text earlier as I was driving, but Ryan Manning looked very much of a baller versus Lithuania, very relaxed, went forward well. I start him with Brady ahead of him. Uh, we'd be strong on that side, looking good for Ireland this year, says Dave in Bray. It's it's a funny one for Stephen Kenny because, like, ooh, that could possibly... No, no, no it's still, it, still it one of okay? those Bournemouth, yeah. That looked like a potential var on a on a yellow car on a penalty shout there. I think this might be oh, given, you know. Yeah, it's uh, they're checking. Might be given. They're checking. It's going to take about ten minutes. Yeah, I think that's uh, one that's thing about the city game the other week, lads. I'd never ever thought of var during the city Dortmund yeah. game. Yeah, um, just how badly it's been applied in England. Yeah, I, that looks like a penalty, doesn't it? That looks like a penalty. It's not been given yet, but it does. Now, in fairness, like there, there are other leagues that have made a complete hames of VAR as well. Oh, I, I like, mean, like which other leagues? The Serie A. Did you okay. see the, the Juventus oh, decision? Oh yeah, yeah. I seen it. I seen it. It was a disgrace, <laughs> wasn't it? I mean, there was was a Candreva was playing everyone onside yeah. for a last. It was about winner. it was about four yards behind the ball as well, wasn't he? They just didn't. They just didn't look at it. It was weird. They didn't show the picture the whole width of the pitch, so it was just like the penalties or the. The penalty box to the other side was is literally the penalty box is all they showed, so you couldn't even see him in in the frame. It was yeah, it was it was very strange. And the refs having a look, JD. Yeah, we're waiting to see if, if you're if you're a Newcastle fan. It's just uh, obviously just stay with us because it's Newcastle now, Bournemouth one, but Newcastle have a possible penalty coming their way for a handball by Bournemouth player. On the on the on the Manning one, it's interesting that on the right hand side, obviously Doherty's not playing. I guess Cyrus Christie is. Seamus Coleman, I think his days as a right wing back are definitely gone, um, and I, it's, it's it's kind of it's an interesting one for Kenny. But Christie's I, not in the squad. Yeah, so I I mean I, I don't I don't know where he's I mean where are his options there? He seems to have four or five options. Um, I don't think Christie was actually playing today for, for Swans either. But here we go. I think this is going to be a penalty. And the referee has said it is a penalty. And Newcastle have a penalty to equalise here. It's Jefferson Lerma who's handled the ball in the box and they've got a chance to level it up here in the only Premier League game kicking off at three o'clock. We've other matches as well uh, this afternoon. Uh, Wolves nil, Manchester City three a result. Tottenham against Leicester at half five. Uh, in the Championship, it was finished. Uh, Swansea three, Hull nil. Birmingham nil, Coventry nil is the latest score. Burnley one, Bristol City one is the latest. It is Huddersfield one, Cardiff nil. It is Luton two, Blackburn nil. Millwall two, Blackpool one. It is uh, Norwich one, West Brom one. Preston nil, Sheffield United one, the latest score. QPR nil, Stoke nil. It is Watford two, Sunderland one. Wigan nil, Reading one. All of these latest scores in the Championship as uh, Alexander Izak puts the ball in the spot for Newcastle. Middlesbrough against Rotherham is a 7.45 start in Scotland Rangers after that horrific spell are at 2-1 up against Dundee United it is Hibernian 2 Aberdeen 1 Livingston 1 Kilmarnock 0 is a latest score and it's St Johnston 0 Ross County 0 Alexander Izak such an impressive start against Liverpool and he's put the ball in the back of the net sent the goalkeeper the wrong way Neto, and it's now Newcastle 1 Bournemouth 1 in the Premier League it's a tough one for Bournemouth um you know, uh, it, it, we're looking at the penalty decision in slow motion as well, which isn't necessarily accurate. But you obviously expect Newcastle to go on and win the game here. Good signing, Alexander Isak. He's um, really impressed me at the Euros, lads. I have to say, it's awesome against Liverpool. Um, I haven't seen him since, but yeah, yeah. Um, what about Chelsea then? Uh, uh, Stephen Ward, Graham Potter. Um, 
look fits the part in terms of a long term project. But look, this is a higher level now. He's got to he's got to deliver uh, not only for the owner that's put faith in him, but the fans because they were uh, chanting Thomas Tuchel's name the other night. Yeah, it was. A, I don't know what you lads thought, but it was a it was a bit of a shock, wasn't it, when when they actually sacked the manager. Um, considering what he'd done in, in 18, 18 months there, but um, yeah, listen, I think for me, I think the strange thing is is you know the sort of plot that Graham Potter was getting at Brighton, and then suddenly he was linked with the Chelsea job, and people were like, oh, is it, is it the right job for him? But for me, it's the the next step in his career. He, he deserves. He completely deserves a a chance to go and manage one of these teams because what he's done at Brighton is, is phenomenal. Um spoke to a few lads that have worked under him and said he's he's outstanding. Um a friend of mine's on the staff with him, uh, right. Bruno. Um Bruno who I played with at Brighton for a season, he, he's on the staff with him and got to Chelsea with him and, and he talks so highly of him. And I, I think listen, if if managers like that can't do such a good job at Brighton and, and not be worthy of getting this job. Yes, of course, it's listen, it's a different level. He's, you don't have as much time. Um, you know, there's a lot more demand. But I feel he deserves his chance. And, and, and I think he'll do well there. I think, you know, the way he had Brighton playing uh, and how, how he set them up was, you know, they're a really, really good side to watch. And I think going there with the, the quality of player he has, I, I think he will get, get Chelsea um, flying again. And, uh, it'll, it'll just be one of them. Will he, will he have the time to do it? You know, he'll have to hit the ground running like all managers do. But uh, yeah, I think he, he completely deserves his chance. And um, you know, I'm looking forward actually to seeing seeing how they develop under him. I'd worry what the Tuchel sacking says about the people that Potter is working oh, for now. Absolutely. I, I think that I. Then again, their guy in the LA Dodgers has been there six, seven years. Yeah, but exactly I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't really follow baseball, so that's that's an interesting angle that I haven't really considered. But at the same point. Like Todd Bowley gave Thomas Tuchel more money than any other manager got in the world during the summer. Uh, he seemingly put him in charge of transfer strategy, or definitely gave him more of a say in transfer strategy than any coach really has anymore. And then sacked him a week after the window closed. It's super strange. And I know that the lines coming out from Chelsea afterwards was, you know, there was tension there, and you know Thomas didn't really buy into our long-term plan. But like, what long-term plan? I mean, they're, they've not been there for long enough to show a long-term plan. Like they signed Aubameyang seemingly because he worked with with Tuchel before, and. You know, I mean, to, to then to kind of put stuff out, blaming Tuchel for uh, um, and attributing tensions with Tuchel because he, he flip-flopped on recruitment strategy. Recruitment strategy is not his job, and the fact that it was his job is a bit of an indictment of, of Todd Bowley and the new Chelsea ownership. Like, it's complaining that it's like complaining that the air hostess did a bad job of landing the plane. Like, it's not his job, and it reflects poorly on you if you've put him in charge of it. So, I mean, Potter, really highly rated coach. Can't wait to see how he does. Always really enjoyed watching his Brighton teams. They would have finished so much higher up the table and had more success if he had a reliable goal scorer, which he will have at Chelsea. So it's going to be fascinating. But I'd be a little bit concerned that I know Chelsea will talk about we want uh, Graham to buy. Here's a coach who will buy into our long-term plan. I hope that they a have a long-term plan and be given give him some time in the job. But uh, the signs of what has happened so far under Tuchel would uh, would make you think otherwise. Well, he's probably going to get a director of football that Thomas Tuchel didn't have. Yeah, and it seems like he might have uh, might have a say in who that director of football is, which again is again is putting the manager in charge of the re- recruitment strategy, which is uh, which is a bold decision that you know would have been the staple of English football in the nineteen eighties and early nineteen nineties. But the game is too unwieldy now for that to be the case. So I don't know. I think that I think Tuchel was a bit harshly dealt with, I have to say, and uh, you know, like 
the next top manager to lose his job, Tuchel will be the favourite to replace him because he's an outstanding coach. You know, um, you know, you could argue maybe his sides don't score enough goals to compete in leagues where you know sides are coached by Klopp and Guardiola. But uh, I think I think Tuchel is a fantastic coach, and I, I, I think Chelsea... I think I think I think you're right, and I think that's the hard thing, isn't it? I think he's an outstanding outstanding manager, and, and I think the one thing even when he left PSG. You know, we seem to have a great relationship with his players. I think, you know, a lot of the Chelsea players have come out. They seem to be shocked at the decision. But I think that is the issue, isn't it? That some of these top managers are coming in and having to compete against Guardiola and Klopp, who've been doing such a good job and got their teams so far ahead in the league. It's, you know, you don't have that much time because, you know, everyone's trying to get close that gap. And, um, you know, there must have been something that went on in the background because for what he'd done in 18 months in terms of winning the Champions League, the... FIFA Club World Cup, uh, you know, giving them the transfer window, you'd presume there was a, a separate issue because I was certainly shocked when I seen the news that he'd gone. You'd wonder if the owners like the sound of their own voice too much. That is a little bit of a worry. Um, I would have. Uh, <laughs> uh, contrast to the predecessor, anyway. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> Enough said. Um, sun has dropped, by the way, for Spurs. Uh, today, uh, was it timely, Oscar. John? Like it was, was it time for him to go? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. He's not been the same player at all this season. I don't know why. Um, you know, just it could be a confidence thing. It could be the fact that Richarlison's joined the club. I don't know what the reasons are, but um, he's getting frustrated. He's a kind of guy who does get frustrated if things aren't going his way, and he's had these dips in his career at Spurs before. But it's been a bit worrying, to be honest. Um, it was very much himself and Kane uh, were, uh, you know, almost in tandem, like a completely read each other's minds last season and that hasn't happened so far this season uh, so what he's done is uh, Antonio Conte put, picked uh, Larry Singol uh, Sanchez Dyer and Longley the uh, three at the back so Christian Romero is on the bench uh, then we have uh, on the right uh, well who's playing on the right well there you're just looking at it here I don't know who's going to play on the right so he's dropped Emerson Royale but sadly has not restored Matt Doherty no he's got Perisic uh, he's probably going to play Perisic and Sessignon he's probably going to play Sessignon on the right yeah or Perisic on the right so he's going to play one of them yeah Perisic will go on the right Sessignon on the left with Hoybier and Bantancourt in the middle well that's not good for I mean no it's, it's not, not Matt great Doherty, for Ireland no. I assume no. Matt Doherty was second choice behind Emerson Royale he's on the he's bench not. so he's, he's fit so he's on the bench so I don't know what third the choice now yeah, yeah, which is uh, Richarlison Harry Kane and Kulisevsky, the front players. Matt Doherty, yeah, it would be frustrating, isn't it, that he's not getting his game at the moment, Stephen? Yeah, it is. And I think he's been a bit unlucky. I think he had a I think he had an injury or two, didn't he, during the preseason? Um, which never helps because, you know, as as much as you know, the manager will have known and will have wanted to come back and have a strong preseason and really lay down a marker to try get in the team. So, you know, that's been a bit frustrating for him. And listen, you know, Spurs have started well and I think you know, he's, there seems to be um, a bit of fluidity in in the wing backs that he's been picking. So yeah, he's had to buy this time, and obviously disappointing for him today. I think if Emerson Royal was where I wasn't playing, I would have hoped to see Matt in there. But you know, I think that Perisic has played wing back for Inter Milan on the right and the left. So obviously, the manager knows him quite well, and yeah, yeah, disappointing for him. But listen, I think it's one of them. You know, Matt, Matt will assess where he is, you know, come sort of December, November, December time. And, you know, hopefully he might just need a bit of luck in terms of a, a player getting injured or so just to get his chance. Because I, I think when Antonio Conte came in at first, he, he wasn't in the team and then he got in the team and proved why, why he should be in the team. So um, that was unfortunately uh, ended with an injury towards the end of last season. So I, I think if he, if he gets his chance, he'll take it. It's just, it's just when that might be. Uh, the Leicester team is Danny Ward in goal, uh, Castagna, 
uh, Vatfais, uh, Johnny Evans, the captain, and James Justin. We have um, Wilfred and Didi in the holding role, then James Madison, uh, Yuri Tielemans, Kiernan Dusby Hall, Harvey Barnes, and up front, Pat Sandaka with Jamie Vardy on the bench for Leicester, who desperately need to pick up some form. That's the half five game in the Premier League. In the three o'clock game, Newcastle won. Uh, Bournemouth won at the moment uh, also elsewhere in football today Wolves nil, Man City 3 a result in the championship it finished Swansea 3 Hull nil. latest scores Birmingham nil, Coventry nil. Burnley 2 Bristol City 1 a latest Huddersfield 1 Cardiff nil. Luton 2 Blackburn nil. Millwall 2 Blackpool 1 Norwich 1 West Brom 1 it is Preston nil. Sheffield United 2 QPR nil, Stoke nil. Watford 2 Sunderland 1 and Wigan nil. Reading 1 and in Scotland it is St Johnston nil, Ross County nil uh, Livingston 1 Kilmarnock nil Rangers 2 Dundee United 1 and Hibernian 3 Aberdeen 1 in the rugby Munster 12 6 down to Cardiff earlier on Leinster were narrow 33-29 winners over Zebra in the golf Rory McIlroy playing in round 3 of the Italian Open is tied for the lead on 9 under par with 3 other players Aaron Rye Victor Perez and Matt Fitzpatrick and this is Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk back after the break with Stephen Ward Johnny Ward and Gavin Cooney on Chamark Rovers and also all the FAI Cup action Football on Off the Ball with Sky watch Premier League Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports and welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five. Now, Women's Golf and OTB is in association with KPMG, proudly supporting women in sports. Leona Maguire missed the cut of the Portland Classic overnight. The Cavan woman shooting a second round 73. Not enough to keep her in the field for the weekend. She shot an opening 75 on Thursday at the Columbia Edgewater Country Club and at the halfway point was four over par for the tournament and four shots outside the cut mark. Germany's Esther Henselite hit an 864 yesterday to tie the American Lilia Vu for the second round lead on 10 under par. At the moment, Rory McIlroy tied for the lead on... No, he's just dropped a shot. Back to 8 under par with one hole to go of his third round at the Italian Open. Uh, one shot behind Matt Fitzpatrick, Victor Perez and Aaron Rye all sharing top spot. Munster 15-13 down to Cardiff late on in the uh, URC opening round. Uh, this is Football Saturday just between now and five with uh, Stephen Ward, former Republic of Ireland defender, Johnny Ward in studio with Gavin Cooney. You can text us 53106. And Johnny, um, really great to see two First Division clubs in the semi-finals of the FAI Cup now, Treaty United and Waterford. Mad stuff, Judy. Yeah, I think most of us of a certain vintage <laughs> uh, remember St. Francis as a non-league team getting to the yeah, final. Yeah, 1990. Early 90s and slayed by Bray Wanderers. Um, but... I suppose a little bit like the big leagues around Europe there's been a big concentration of the top teams and the the uh, the non-league teams in the cup now find it really difficult they're kind of out of season I don't think they even scored a goal against non, non-league non opposition this year um, but I did feel that Watford against Dundalk was, was the proverbial uh, PBS the potential banana skin because Dundalk have been coughing up a lot of goals in the league Watford have money behind them um, the Fleetwood owner has come in Andy Pilly um They've opened up a kind of a new fan zone, big big crowds at their games, but they've good players. They beat Pats away already in the cup, scored three in the first half. Um, it wasn't a massive shock, but the quality of the Waterford goal is nearly four thousand there. And Treaty United, it was obviously a and you know a fledgling club in its second year with a lot of ex Go United players put together on a shoestring by Tommy Barrett, hammering UCD. Um, and Treaty, imagine if Treaty play Waterford in the semi final, there'd be a first division team in the. Cup final, which is almost unheard of these days. And we have tomorrow, Shamrock Rovers, Derry and 
Shelburne Bowes. That'll be appetising. Yeah. So Shells and Bowes is effectively the season is down to this for them. They're not going to do anything else otherwise. Um, Wardy's old club Bowes got rid of Keith Long. Probably a bit controversial. They got a bounce by beating Shamrock Rovers um, and then obviously lost in Derry last week. Uh, Shelburne, the Damien Duff project, is going to be a totally sold out Tolka. Great crowd there. Obviously, Shamrock Rovers and Derry is fascinating. I looked at the betting during the week. Derry are fairly strong favourites, and the obvious premise that the bookies reckon Shamrock Rovers are going to be tired because they were in Belgium during the week, where I think we'll talk about this maybe. I, I mean, too open. Or are they too open in that game for me? Like you're going you away got, from home. You got to be a little bit pragmatic. Like I don't know. The second, the second goal, uh, the two players on the six-yard box. Mm. Why don't you know you, when you're one 0 down, you need to be actually hitting it long. Rovers did this against Milan. I remember being at the game, and they sort of played short on the kickouts, and and they got away with it. But if you go through some of their games in Europe, they've gotten away with losing the ball in these areas a lot. I don't remember Shamrock Rovers ever getting a goal from their own kickouts. So if if they're not going to like, what are the the pros and cons of what you're doing here now? On one level, it's a philosophy like Stephen Kenny and Gavin Bazunu in Faro, where you're like, this is the way we play. And we do this over and over and over and we're good at it. On the other level, Shamrock Rovers are so inferior to Ghent that I'm thinking that the, the, the reward versus the risk here is literally just go long. And I know Gaffney was struggling up front. Um, he was isolated from a struggling midfield, lacking pace and unable to get up with him. He's not the quickest himself. So Rovers, when they went long, they were coughing up the ball. But for Dan Cleary to be taking on a player in his own box from six yards, I just think go long. And in fairness, even Bradley said afterwards, I'm going to take the blame for that. Um, but for me, Shamrock Rovers, on the one level, they've produced great performances at home in Europe. They've gotten great wins, albeit in games that were for, uh, effectively over. They've badly let themselves down on their travels in some respects over the last 12, 14 months. And I think they do need to look at that because they're giving up far too many soft goals. I don't know what you think of Yeah, it was a similar. They gave up a very soft goal in the final minutes, in the final minute against away to... Uh, was it Ludogorets? Wasn't it that that yeah uh, the goal three nil the three nil when yeah. yeah, was it Lee Grace took that uh, short free kick up the line and gave it away? Um, like that was a bad goal, all right to concede that second goal. But at the same time, I don't think that they should just be knocking along because you know these teams are gonna these teams are gonna press you. They they press because they you're, they either want to win the ball back or they want you to go along. And Rovers don't have like a six foot seven striker up there. To win, to win every aerial duel. So I can understand why they why they're going short. Bradley's comments afterwards were pretty good. I thought he said that's on me and says it's not just Dan Cleary. You know, people have to be available for the pass. Obviously, in that scenario, maybe go along. But I mean, then there's a, there's a longer term progression thing there. What are Rovers really going to achieve by just going long all the time? Not necessarily long, though. It's more about being pragmatic. It's not passing the ball to your own. Like, I just don't... What's the risk versus reward there? They, there was there were some moments in the game where Rovers passed it quickly and made space. But it, what what is the actual... What is the point of a pass short in your own box? Whereas, if you lose the ball here, nine times out of ten, you're going to concede a goal. Mm. If you if, if Dan Cleary makes a good pass and Rovers do a nice... in Like, Jack Byrne gets the ball some f- 60 yards from goal. There's still a 33-1 to one to score. So I, I just don't see what the, the risk versus reward When you're taking on players that are so much better than you I, I think you have to lessen the risk of that happening And it, it'd be interesting to see in the other, in the other legs But I, I also think I, I don't know what, what you've been watching Gavin I think they need to start playing players like Neil Ferrugia Because there was no pace in their team the other night Maybe apart from Andy Lyons Who's been okay in Europe I think he's, he's probably a bit of a marked man And when you don't have any pace it's causing them problems bring in Farijai maybe Farouja Farouja I think has to start he has legs mm. and I think they they need to look at that because you're not going to get away with you have good technical players in Europe but they shouldn't be hockeyed like they were the other night 
two or three times in the last four big away games. I think, yeah, the away form is an issue. And they, they have, they've often corrected it at, uh, and won these return home games against Ludogorets and, and Ferenc Farage, which is a, maybe a slight frustration that they you know, could, have, uh, could have improved and played better in those away games. Ferugia has look was really good off the bench at home to your gardens. Now I was I was traveling, so I didn't I didn't see the game in midweek. But you're bringing him in probably on you know, like Andy Lyons can't be dropped from the left, so you're probably bringing him in on the right. That means dropping Ronan Finn, your captain. And I thought Finn was suspended away to Ferenc Farosh, and they looked so open down that side without him. They looked really, uh, they looked really open and, and really vulnerable. So I, I think uh, Ferugia probably a better option off the bench in those games maybe away maybe you need a little bit more pace that's what they have Aaron Green for but um, yeah I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't go along with that Stephen uh, Ward you keeping an eye on what's going on domestically it's probably difficult at times when you're over the, yeah uh, no no, I do I do I always keep an eye on how bows are getting on mainly and, and keep an eye on who's winning the league but I actually watched I watched the Rovers game the other night um, and, and I seen some of the, um, Stephen Bradley's comments after and I agree with him I think you know, listen. They've got a philosophy there. They 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 want to play that way and, and and start their attacks from the goalie. And I think sometimes that there is a there is a, a point in that the player on the ball. You know, they'll have worked on certain patterns where he 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 knows where he's supposed to play the ball, but the man has to be there where they can actually, um, you know, work that pattern to get past the first line of press. And, and listen, I think he'll know himself. Sometimes players have to take the initiative. If if it's not on and it's not right, you get rid of the ball or. You know, when you're playing against top quality opposition, okay. they'll, pun- they'll punish you. Stephen Ward, thanks so much. Brilliant stuff. Cheers, guys. Stephen Ward and Johnny and uh, Gavin, thanks so much, lads. Thanks very much. Just very briefly, Judy, if I could just mention the cycle for Chief, uh, the lads cycling up from Mizzen to Mallon in um, memory of their ki- their friend Ryan O'Connor, who passed away 10 years ago. It's a great cause, and you can f- you can find them on idonate.e uh, forward slash cycle for Chief. Fair play, Johnny. Fair play. And uh, get behind that cause, folks, if you could. Wolves nil, Man City 3, full-time. Newcastle won, Bournemouth won, entering the closing stages of their match in the Premier League. Spurs and Leicester kick off at a half-five in the Championship. It finished Swansea 3, hole nil. Latest scores, Birmingham nil, Coventry nil. Latest score, Burnley 2, Bristol City 1. Huddersfield 1, Cardiff nil. Latest score, finished Luton 2, Blackburn nil. Latest scores, Millwall 2, Blackpool 1. It is Norwich 1, West Brom 1. Preston nil, Sheffield United 2. Full-time, QPR nil, Stoke nil. Latest scores, Watford 2, Sunderland 2, latest score Wigan nil, Reading 1, 7.45 start for Middlesbrough and Rotherham. In Scotland, Rangers beat Dundee United 2-1, Hibernian 3, Aberdeen 1 is the latest, Livingston 1, Kilmarnock nil, finished, St Johnston nil, Ross County nil, also a full time. Uh, Munster 15-13 down to Cardiff in the URC, so that's the latest score uh, close to the end there. Don't forget tomorrow folks, we're back with uh, Off the Ball here on Sunday, Joe Malloy in the chair, 1-7, Nathan Murphy and Brian Kerr bringing you commentary of the Premier League game between Everton and West Ham. That kicks off at 2.15. There's also the Sunday pay-per-view. We'll also play the best bits of Golf Weekly. Be sure to join us tomorrow for some great commentary and conversation. If you missed any of the Saturday panel on rugby debuts and the URC preview with Fiona Hayes, Mike McCarthy and Gavin Duffy or any of OTB Football Saturday with Stephen Ward, Johnny Ward and Gavin Cooney, you can find a podcast or our content on the OTB Sports app. Be sure to listen back as well, folks, wherever you get your pods. Thanks so much for listening to us on your radio here on News Talk across the country this afternoon. We'll speak tomorrow. Bye-bye. Football on Off the Ball with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports.